Well, everybody, welcome to episode two of What Board Christians Talk About. Today we're going to be talking about a few interesting topics. Graham, what are they? So today we're going to discuss whether or not Adam and Eve had belly buttons. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the Sabbath. Before we get there, Michael, how was your week? Good. It was my anniversary on Monday. Oh, happy anniversary. Yeah, one year. And we went to the Biltmore States and uh, like old people. Like some seventy-year-old people, we mm-hmm. walked the gardens, That's and then walked though. the gardens some more, and then walked the house, and then walked the rest of the gardens, and then my legs hurt for three days. <laughs> so you do construction, but the your anniversary trip to the Biltmore Estate is what hurt your legs. Yes, for sure. And then I did construction the next day, and my legs were killing me. It was. But it was good. It was a good week. It was a great trip. We had a lot of fun. Um, and I think being a builder, last time I went to the Biltmore State, I was in middle school. Going back to the Biltmore State as a builder now was actually pretty cool. I think I appreciated the craftsmanship a lot more. Yeah, I feel like I need to go back because I haven't been since I was probably 10 or 12, something like that. Yeah, it's super And cool. I would love to go back again. Yeah. But congratulations on a year of marriage. Do you guys feel like you guys are professionals at love now? Yeah. It's the easiest thing in the world. Absolutely. So you guys can give all the relationship advice and you guys are just basically experts and we should, us peasants should listen to you, right? Yeah. Well, actually you shouldn't even need to listen to me because that's how easy marriage is. Wow. Really, you shouldn't need advice. If you need advice for your marriage, you probably shouldn't have gotten married in the first place. Wow. Wise words from a man that's been married for so long. Yep. How was your week, Graham? <laughs> it was a pretty good week. Um, it's been a little bit crazy. Got a lot going on right now. I'm actually getting ready to to move into a, a new place. Still local, so it's not a huge move, but still, any move is, a, of course, a, a little bit of an ordeal. Yeah. But I am excited about it uh, with the, this this new move. I'm I'm also accepting an intern position where I'll be helping to train uh, missionaries and church planners, equip them. Um, for, for ministry-related things. won't be doing a lot of the cultural uh, work and mm. background stuff with them. Definitely not qualified for that. <laughs> yeah. But some of the just, like, really really basics of equipping for church planning and stuff is what we're going to be working on. And well, it's not just going to be missionaries and church planners. It'll be um, lay people as, as well. Really, anybody that wants to learn how to effectively make disciples who will also go and make disciples. But... Um, really excited for that opportunity because that's kind of like the dream job for me. Sweet. That's awesome, dude. Very cool. Yeah. So I know the last episode we promised everybody that we would revisit um, the question of whether or not Jesus and the pocket-sized giraffes <laughs> descended into hell right. together for the three days. Um, and I know everyone is on the edge of their seats. I'm sure dying to know whether or not you were right or wrong. So, what do you got for us? Uh, well, I've got a few verses. Okay. Um, and some very uh, loose opinions. But, okay. Uh, you know, this is a topic that, like we talked about last week, like, it was in the Apostles' Creed, you know, which, I mean, how long has the Apostles' Creed been around? A long time. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's been a long time. At least 1,500 years. Most of the, a majority of the life of the church and it's been in there for a majority of the life of the church that Jesus mm. died, descended into hell for three days, and then 
was raised again. So it's only been recently that they removed that. Yeah, yeah, to my understanding. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting that that's something that has been a part of church history, even though there's some vague verses that maybe point to that being true. Um, so it's interesting that they... Like they make such a bold claim that they that the church fathers or the early church fathers sat down and they'd said, okay, we have to figure out what is the most important doctrinal beliefs that make you a Christian. You know, because that's what they set out to yeah. do was like to Absolutely. make a statement of faith. Here's here's the, the non negotiable. have to agree on. These are the non negotiables. Yeah. So then, for them to include that as a non negotiable, kind of weird. Kind of weird. Personally, if I were them, I would not have done that. That might know? be why they took it out. That might be why be. that decision was made. But I will share the verses with you. Sounds good. Uh, <clears throat> as to why people believe this. So um, I talked about it last week or two weeks ago. But so here's Second Peter 2 and some verses. So Peter's about to give some if-then statements. He's about to say, if God did, you know, if this is true, then this is true. If God did this, if God did this, if God did this, then this. You know? If then statements seem to be a really popular form of establishing a line of logical thought yeah. in Jesus' day. So he's about to give a bunch of ifs. So, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then, so here's the, the then, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So he's saying, um, God did not spare the angels that sinned, right. and he put them in chains of gloomy darkness. Right. So God's separating the angels that are good from the angels that sinned. Right. I assume he's talking about when, whenever Satan, you know, Rebelled. Rebelled. We'll probably get into that a little bit more mm -hmm. in a future podcast. That'd be a great one to talk about. So I think he's so he's making that distinction. So God separated good angels and bad angels. And then he uses Noah. So there's Noah. He preserved Noah, but didn't preserve the people. And then he preserved Lot, but didn't preserve Sodom and Gomorrah. So if that's how right. God he's like, this is how God operates. If this is true about how God operates, then God will rescue you from whatever your trials are. You know, from your fiery trials, the Lord will rescue the godly and the unrighteous. He'll leave them to essentially like lie in their own grave that they dug, you know. Yeah. So that angels cast them into uh, hell, committed them to chains of gloomy darkness. That's So that's where the... The phrase, Chains of Gloomy Darkness. Yes. That's what we're reading that passage for. Yeah. And so, then in Jude, Gloomy Darkness comes up again. But this is referring to, I'm assuming, like, the Nephilim or, like, the 
the angels that in Exodus was it Exodus that came? No, that was Genesis that came into um, and you know did the dirty with the women on the earth. Yeah, they they again future podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That one will have to be PG thirteen at least. Yeah, but so Jude says the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling. Right, so they left their authority. Mm Left right. their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. You know? Okay, so, so there we have that gloomy darkness phrase again. So we have, yeah, so basically what those two verses give you is um, it puts in your, in your head the idea that God kind of has a separate place for the angels. You know, that they're not necessarily in hell, they're in chains, they're in under gloomy right darkness. Now. There's yeah. a reason that he's like, so the, for the angels that rebelled against, um, rebelled against God with Satan, they're kept in chain, you know, chains of gloomy darkness. The same thing is true for the ones that left their position of authority, their proper dwelling and came down to earth. Mm-hmm. They're also kind of kept in a different place. They're not, it doesn't say they're in Sheol, which it probably would. It doesn't it say probably, they're in Hades. It could have said that, yeah. But it says they're in, pit, it yeah, it says they're in chains of gloomy darkness. So it's kind chains, of like a separate yeah. place, maybe. So then we have First Peter 3, uh, where it says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. So there's that distinction again. There's like the righteous who are godly, so like Noah, like Lot, mm-hmm. like the angels who stayed with the Lord. And the bad guys. And the, yeah, and the bad guys. So, once for the sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that distinction is made, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, Christ being put to death in the flesh, hmm. but made alive in the spirit, right? right. So Christ died, was made alive in the spirit, hmm. in which, so in the spirit, he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, right? So now it brings back the days of Noah. God's patience okay. waited uh, in the days of Noah. He took the angels that were leaving their proper dwelling, their position of authority, like Jude says. Mm-hmm. He puts them in a separate place, presumably so that Christ can come and proclaim to the spirits in prison, you know? Hmm. So it's that's, that's like it, uh, pretty much. As far as that goes, there's this idea that Jesus descended to wherever the chains of gloomy darkness Which is. Which might not be hell. Could not be. Kind of almost sounds like a different place. It almost does. But he went there and he proclaimed to the spirits that are in prison. And it sounds like it's the spirits that uh, left their proper dwelling place in the days of Noah. But also because of what Second Peter says, it could also be the ones that left with um, gotcha. Satan. Is that, I, I yeah. don't know if that makes sense. It, I, I hear what you're saying. In my head, I think I think of it slightly different just because I'm like, and I'm trying to rationalize through in, in my mind and I'm thinking, okay, well, why would God go and, and preach to, why would Jesus go and preach to fallen angels? Right. Because there doesn't seem to be a redemption plan mm-hmm. for fallen angels. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see that anywhere else. So, 
And that's, I think, probably another potential mm-hmm. uh, potential podcast topic one time. It's like, okay, well, how come God provided a plan of redemption for mankind but not for fallen angels? So I'm like, okay, so why would he be doing that? So when I hear spirits there, I'm almost it almost makes me think, is he talking about human spirits there? Like, are the are there deceased humans mm-hmm. who aren't in hell right now yet? Maybe mm-hmm. that's something to come, but right now they're in chains of gloomy darkness. And Jesus has gone to preach to them. To me, that makes a little bit more sense in my mm-hmm. head that he's going and, and um, ministering to human or, or preaching to human spirits mm-hmm. in chains of gloomy darkness. Could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely something that's worth more discussion at a later time. Definitely something that bored Christians talk about, I think. Um, but then with that question... Like, there's so many other questions that pile on top of that, because we have this idea of the chains of gloomy darkness, mm-hmm. but then we're like, okay, it, is that hell, mm-hmm. or is it not? I don't know that you could say definitively. It kind of sounds like it's not. It sounds like it's a different place. Well, if Jesus went there, then how? what biblical ground do we say have for saying that he descended into hell for three days? Mm-hmm. Well, you could say maybe he descended to the place... In where there are chains of gloomy darkness, but we don't know whether or not that's hell. Right. Um, and then, like we were discussing earlier, too, like, did he go, did he do both? Like, when he told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. I still hold that, like, Jesus often spoke about his father, and he often spoke about the comforter to come. And while he did claim to be God, he didn't usually refer like, he still made the distinctions, mm-hmm. right? So I think if he meant, oh, today you'll be with my father in paradise, he would have said that. And I think when he told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, I think it's because the person of Jesus Christ was with mm-hmm. the thief in paradise. But did he go to paradise and then descend to the place where there people are kept in chains of gloomy darkness? Mm-hmm. Or did he do that and then go to the father? Like, at what point and in what order was it either or was it both and? Yeah. There's so many questions there, and at the end of the day, the Bible, I don't think, gives a a super clear answer, and I don't think that's by accident yeah. either. Well, I do have like, one more verse for you. Sweet. From Acts 2. Acts 2. Which, uh, it's during Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Peter's... So you probably have no idea that Peter had something to say about Jesus descending into hell. At Pentecost. In, at Pentecost. Probably have read right over it. I've read right over it. I've definitely read right over that. So, I don't know. It's, like I said, it's just, I'm just giving you the verses that was there. But, um, Peter goes and he is talking about something that David said. And I don't know if this is something from the Psalms or something from 2 Samuel. Like, I'm not familiar with it, but um, basically there's a part where it talks about the Lord is, is before him and it's at his right hand. Um, and then it says, you will not abandon my soul to Hades and let your Holy one see corruption. And so then Peter says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch, David, that he died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So he's still dead. That's what Mm -hmm. Peter's saying. But being a prophet, David being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath, to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. So, 
God makes a promise that I will not abandon your soul to Hades and uh, I will not let your Holy One see corruption. But but he died. And so, he, so Peter's saying, even though David is dead, what he was doing was seeing what was going to happen in the future to God's chosen one, the one that he was going to set on the throne, mm-hmm. you know, the root of Jesse that uh, God promises to David. So it says, uh, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And so, basically, Jesus was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. That sounds definitive to me. Or maybe that's because I'm... Well, I, I almost feel like... Opinionated. <laughs> so it's Peter saying, like, Jesus was not abandoned to Hades. Right. That he was raised up. So you can take that two ways. Jesus was okay. never in Hades because, you know, he was never in Hades because that's what God promised to David, that he wouldn't abandon his soul to Hades. Right. Or that Jesus went to Hades, and because God is not going to abandon Jesus' soul to Hades, he raised him up three days later. Ah, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Maybe not as definitive. So maybe not as definitive. Yeah. But at the end of the day, and so here's here's where I think you were just about to go before I read that. Yeah. Does it really matter? Does it really because matter? Because in Philip's sermon, in Peter's sermon during Pentecost, in all of the writings of Paul and Peter and, mm-hmm. and John, they talk about Jesus being crucified, died, and raising again. You know? Right. The, and that, the, that, like, that's the phrase. He was crucified, died, and buried, and then he was raised again on the third day. Right. They don't it's like they don't feel that. the need. Didn't seem if it was true, it didn't seem like an important enough of a detail for them to include exactly. whenever they presented the gospel. It wasn't it wasn't um a core it wasn't a deal breaker. It wasn't a core belief. Right. To them at least. Or they would have included it. But for some reason, whoever wrote the Apostles' Creed thought that it was like incredibly important. Yeah. Which, and then somebody else thought it was not, and we took it out, which is probably good. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I think. Because if you're going to call the Apostles' Creed the like the core doctrinal belief, something that's important for us all to agree on this, then I don't think you should include Jesus descending into hell. Because I don't think there's enough information on it. And yeah. I think if God really felt strongly about it, then he probably would have put it there. Right. There's and plenty of opportunity. That's where I think we can be more definitive. Can we definitively say Jesus did or did not go to hell? Probably not. Some people would probably try to because that's what bored Christians <laughs> talk about. Um, but what we can say definitively is God did not seem to think it was important enough to make for 100% certain in Scripture. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really cool principles in that conversation, though about how we interpret scripture because like as we started going through that we 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 bounced around to several passages that used the phrase chains of gloomy darkness and so you're looking at the biblical usage of that phrase and how it was used and that's an important like hermeneutics concept Mm -hmm. you know um and then we're looking at different ways to interpret things that's, that's where I think, like, is this conversation 
salvific? Is it like weighty? No, it's not. Is there still some relevance there? Absolutely, because we just kind of in that conversation assumed some good scriptural interpretation practices Mm -hmm. that are important to far weightier issues Mm -hmm. where we need to do the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully that's, I mean, at the very least, maybe that just puts a bug in people's ear to go and look into that more. Because I'm sure that you can dive into the Greek and maybe the the phrase Mm -hmm. chains of gloomy darkness. There could be all kinds of connections. Um, I thought it would get boring if I brought all those up, you know. If I yeah. like looked into it, and but anyways, I think that's that's the gist. And the last of thing why... we want to do is be boring on a podcast about what would Christians talk about. Yeah, that would be awful. That'd be awful. It's a funny name. It's not intended to be a boring podcast, right? Well, cool. I mean, that's all I've got for that. Well, so. sweet. Well, the first I know uh, we're it looks like we're twenty two minutes into the podcast already, but the first question that we had lined up for this episode is: Did Adam and Eve? have a belly button now talk about issues that aren't important that's definitely just something that's fun to discuss so what do you think did adam have a belly button did they did eve have a belly button did either one of them did well, one of them and not the other i mean i think it makes sense to me um that they did not physiologically they would have no reason to have there's a belly no button. need for a belly button. there's no need for a belly button because Adam was never connected to his mother in the womb. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And same with Eve, right? Right. So she, neither one of them would have had belly buttons. Do you think they would have been curious when they had kids and their children had belly buttons that didn't go away? Uh, I mean, without getting too graphic, I don't think they would be that curious. Because there would be something where their belly button should be, you know? Yeah. Like... When the baby comes out of the womb, there would be the umbilical cord. There would be the umbilical cord. Yeah. So I don't think they would be like, oh my gosh, it's a belly button. They'd be like, I mean, they'd probably be a lot more shocked at an umbilical cord. I just wonder if, like, maybe they would have thought, I want, since they didn't have belly buttons, and obviously they were aware they didn't have have parents Mm -hmm. for that to be a thing, but I wonder if they would have been like, huh, I wonder if that'll go away as they grow up. This is just like a. Oh, yeah. Because it's there right now, and then as they're getting to be their children are getting to be several hundred years old they're like not going away i guess that's something everybody else is going to have now yeah what do you think i tend to think they do they did have belly buttons and i understand why they wouldn't have needed them right of course there's nothing necessary about like the belly button doesn't serve a bodily function right other than it helps you to not look weird in bathing suits mm-hmm. um <laughs> but my thinking is that God created a mature creation. And so if you were to look at creation on day six, after God had finished creating everything, you would have been able to look at creation and see things that looked, that at least appeared appeared to have cause and effect mm-hmm. that weren't actually there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like we know starlight takes what, millions of years to reach Earth? I believe God just created the light already there. Day one of Adam's existence, he's he's not even a day old. He's a little baby, but he's a full-grown man. If a time traveler went back in time and looked at Adam, he would have assumed this guy's got to be at least based on, you know, based on height, based on what I can 
observe, he's got to be at least this age. Mm -hmm. He would have been dead wrong because he's only a day old. But he looked like he was a lot older because there's a mature creation. Um, I think of like streams and waterfalls and stuff. They're probably, you could probably look at that and say, oh, it looks like it's been eroding for Mm. X amount of years. Well, it hasn't. Right. It's been, because it was just spoken into existence, but it looks like it's been here for a while. So to me, I'm like, if I expect everything in creation to look like it's been there for a while, then I expect Adam and Eve to look like they've been there for a while. And I expect that they that belly buttons would have been included in that. That's kind of my thinking of why I think that they had them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, obviously we can agree that they didn't have a mom. Right. And they never had an umbilical cord. So yeah, that's one of those things that I think is just... Silly mm-hmm. and fun. We'll do a. That's another thing. We'll do a um, poll on on Instagram. Yeah, there you go. Are you team belly button or team not belly button? My thinking. So here's here's my here's a possibility, potential. What if the tree of knowledge of good and evil had in it, like they didn't have belly buttons, right? They Adam and Eve didn't buttons. have belly buttons. Okay, they eat the fruit from the tree. And then they have all this knowledge. And included in that knowledge is the... Knowledge of belly buttons. The knowledge of the belly buttons. And they're like, we don't have belly buttons. Oh, crap. We're going to look so weird. They're like, we don't have belly buttons and we're naked. So So they covered up with the leaves because they were embarrassed. Not that they were necessarily worried about the other part. They were worried that they didn't have belly buttons, and they were supposed to have. Belly and they were supposed buttons. to have belly buttons. So, that's so maybe maybe that's why they felt the need to cover up. They were trying to hide the fact that they had no belly buttons, and they looked weird without belly buttons. Just imagine them like only making clothes that covered their stomach. Yeah, because they're that's the only part <laughs> they're worried about. They're like, oh no, it was like a strip button. of leaf that was yeah. the just belly button width, because that's what they were hiding. Interesting thing. Uh, that's our our fun like intro question. Uh, hope that that was that was fun for people. The real question that we wanted to spend a little bit more time diving into was this idea of the Sabbath, and specifically whether or not the Sabbath is something that should continue in the New Covenant, if it's something that Christians should still observe. Um, but before we dive into that too deeply, I think we just need to clarify some things because I don't, I think there's probably a lot of people that don't even have the proper starting place for that discussion. So we think we don't really know what the Sabbath is in our context. And we think we've heard the term Sabbath and we've heard the term the Lord's Day and we've equated the two. And we think of Sabbath as a, a day of worship. And so when people are talking about that, when they say, hey, should we still observe the Sabbath? What most people hear is probably what day should we worship on? Mm-hmm. You know, well, growing up when my parents would always say, like, they would always kind of jokingly, but use the phrase, we have to keep the Sabbath. Right. We got to keep the Sabbath. And what I mean, they really meant, meant go they to church. To go to church. You got to go to church on Sunday. And so there's a rule, like, every Sunday you go to church. And if you don't want to go to church, you have to wait until you move out of the house. And if you don't because go to church, we gotta, you're not keeping the Sabbath. Yeah, because we got to keep the Sabbath. Yeah, so, I mean, that makes sense. I think that's that's how I grew up, understanding yeah, and Sabbath. That's, that's how I grew up, too. Uh, and so I think that's the, the thinking that most people have in their heads. But the reality is that they're two very different things, 
right? So the word <clears throat> Sabbath or Shabbat is, it means rest. And so in Genesis, God creates the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rests, and it said he set the seventh day aside and made it holy as a day of rest. And the Lord's Day is something that, at least according to tradition, tells us that the early church um, decided that the first day of the week would be the Lord's Day, because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so that would be the day that they worshipped on. Mm. But I don't think that they would have thought of the Sabbath specifically as being a day of worship, that I thought of it as being a day of rest, or at least that's how it was supposed to be thought of. Mm -hmm. I think in their minds, they're two different things. We have a day of rest and we have a day of worship. A day of worship is the Lord's day. Um, and over time, we've just kind of conflated the two. Mm -hmm. I think another important difference there is like Jesus in several places in the Gospels. I know one, one place would be Matthew 12, and I think another would be Mark 2. Um, the Pharisees are mad at Jesus for, one, picking grain mm -hmm. on the Sabbath with his disciples, and two, healing a man on the Sabbath. Jesus, of course, says it's lawful to do good or to do bad on the Sabbath. Kind of stumps the Pharisees there, but he tells them, like, don't you know that man is not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is made for man. Mm -hmm. Jesus kind of clarifies that the purpose of the Sabbath and the reason why it's set apart and holy is for the benefit of man, mm -hmm. that they would have a day of rest. Whereas the term, the Lord's Day, that the early church came up with, by implication implies it's not for us, it's for the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's a day belonging to him. So then I think the question, like where the discussion goes from there, is like if we establish that there are two different days, like Jesus never changed when the Sabbath was. Like the Sabbath is Saturday. It's the seventh day. Sabbath mm -hmm. means rest. It also means seventh. Mm -hmm. So the Sabbath is Saturday. The Lord's Day is Sunday. Do we observe both? And then is it important whether or not we observe Sabbath on the seventh day? Mm -hmm. That's where the discussion, I think, is where centered around. But mm -hmm. you have to make that distinction between the two, I think, before you can really get anywhere with that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting that you, I mean, that sounds very Seventh-day Adventist. It's funny that you're like, the Sabbath is Saturday. That, I think, would rock some boats, at least in kind of my my original upbringing. Not that I think Sunday was held to as the new Sabbath, but I think it was just right. like, well, this is the Sabbath we're choosing. You know, we're choosing that it's on Sunday for you to be like pretty definitively. No, Sabbath is on Saturday. It's interesting. Yeah. Now I realized like saying that, that sounds seventh day Adventist. I'm also doing a little bit of devil's advocate because there's more discussion mm -hmm. to get into there. I think the point is just that there's nowhere in scripture where Jesus or the apostles said, the Sabbath has changed and it's no longer on this day, it's now on this day. Right. And so I don't think the early church had that idea in mind mm -hmm. in their heads. And a lot of them were still Jews that probably would have still kept Sabbath. Mm -hmm. You know, there were two different, two different things. And the Sabbath never changed. That was Saturday and then Sunday was the Lord's Day. 
The question is, I think, in a modern-day context, is it still important for Christians to observe the Sabbath? Does the Sabbath have to be observed mm. on the seventh day? What is what is a Sabbath for modern-day Christians? That's where I think the conversation yeah. starts. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. So we recently, um, for Homestead, uh, we're trying to choose a book, uh, a gospel, to go through as a church. Mm-hmm. And so I know that you read some of them and I read some of them. We just skimmed through the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And I never realized how how many times Jesus healing on the Sabbath came up. I always thought it was just like the one in Mark 2, which mm-hmm. is also the same, I think, encounter that is is retold in Mark 12. I think it's, it's from Matthew the same. 12. Matthew 12, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's one time Michael was wrong. <laughs> I had to point that out. And so, yeah, so I think there's like Mark 2, uh, Matthew 12, kind of describing the same. I think they're uh, describing the same event. Where the man with the withered hand, yeah. Jesus tells him to reach out his hand and he reaches out. Well, there's a ton more of Jesus healing on the Sabbath and even like using the same verses in the for different encounters uh, with the Pharisees to try to get them to realize like, the way you're thinking about Sabbath is just wrong. You know, there's mm-hmm. ju- there's just a disconnect between what God intended and the way you're observing it. And then that's why I think that that phrase that Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath, is such is so powerful because right. we try to treat Sabbath like it's us doing God a favor. Right. But it's actually God doing us a favor. Right. And when you look at um, Exodus, mm-hmm. uh, when in the in the telling of the commandments, you're going to uh, work six days and rest on the seventh, because that's what I did, you know. And that, mm-hmm. like, and you're going to do the same thing. And then in Deuteronomy, when they retell the commandments, there's actually a different reason given. Have you ever noticed that in Deuteronomy six or Deuteronomy? I think it's five. Deuteronomy five. He says instead, you're going to keep keep the Sabbath, work six days, rest on the seventh, because you were a slave in the land of Egypt. I want you to rest, but not just you to rest. I want your servants to rest, and I want your children to rest. I want your oxen to rest. I want everything to stop, and I want all of you to rest. And so mm-hmm. it's just interesting that... God gives these commandments, and they're all, like, things that we're doing for him. But in the middle, you know, he's like, but I want you to do this for your sake. And so Mm -hmm. yeah, that's where the Pharisees got off is they were trying to make it about what I'm doing for God. And God's like, no, 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 this is what I'm doing for you. Well, the the irony is that in their zeal, they actually perverted the Sabbath to the exact opposite intent that the Sabbath was established for. Like, instead of being a day for them, a day to rest, a day for their benefit, they made it something that was a burden mm-hmm. and something that they added on to all their other laws that they had to meticulously keep and worry about what they did and didn't do on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So the irony is that, you know, in their zeal, they actually took what the Sabbath was supposed to be and accomplished the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what the Sabbath was supposed to accomplish. But I think that understanding, again, of what Jesus said, brings so much more depth 
to the Ten Commandments, when you look at that in a different light, and and when he when he says, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy," like growing up, I always thought again the context we've already talked about that right. means go to church on Sunday, make sure you don't neglect your one day to worship God, but understanding that God's actually Sabbath is a gift mm. for our benefit. And God is basically commanding you, take care of yourself. Have a day where you rest and you don't do anything. And keep that day holy. Like, prioritize making sure that you get a day of rest for your benefit. There's so much love in that. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's the beauty of God. Because he can do something like that that is for our benefit. But then he ends up being glorified by it. Like right. by giving us rest, he's actually just showing how kind and how, uh, like good, how good natured he is. He's not mm-hmm. a slave driver. He's not just, you know, as much as you can productivity, productivity, but he's like, he is loving and caring. He's loving and caring. He says, this is a day for you to rest. So in, so it kind of comes around to like all those things that it's, it's, it's for us. Sabbath is for us and, and it is about us. But God somehow can, at the same time, simultaneously, it can be about us, and it can be about him. And it can be for us and for our good, and it can be for him and for his glory. Right. And, like, it's a win-win for everybody. And you think about it, too, I I think about that contrasting the other gods of that day as well. Mm. We talked about that recently at Homestead as well, how the other ancient cultures at that same time didn't have a very positive view of their gods and deities. Their gods and deities were always like kind of lording over humans and thinking of them as very lowly and there to serve them and they were like, even abusive they towards were like, them. Like play toys. Like play toys. Yeah. And versus the the God of the Jews who consistently throughout the Old Testament one showed himself to be more powerful and terrifying and awesome than all these other false gods. But also loving, yeah, and a God that cares for their well-being. That was that's crazy. Talk about like something that runs against the grain of the culture at the time. Yeah, like he gets the glory that he gets just by that contrast mm-hmm. with the fake gods of his day. I think is pretty awesome. Absolutely. Like we were talking about the Pharisees taking this thing and making it making it a burden to keep the Sabbath instead of a gift. I think that's like that principle. That's what you have to take with you into this conversation about is there still a Sabbath rest? Yeah. And is that Sabbath rest meant to be on the seventh day on Saturday? That's the principle that we have to kind of carry with us into this conversation. Yeah. So what would you say as far as Sabbath now? New Covenant Sabbath. Well, before I say anything about that, I think... It would be really helpful to read the passage in, in Hebrews 4. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we pull that up quick? We can, yeah. Do you want to pull it up? Do you want to read it? Uh, I can. You've got the physical copy of your Bible, though. So it probably looks better on camera if you read it. I I have the Bible on my phone, but I need to start bringing my physical copy. This is really testing my Bible drill. Your Bible My drill. sword, what is it? Sword drills. That's your what sword we call drills. It. Yeah, you put your Bible up in the air like yep. this, and they say the reference, and then you go as fast as you can, and whoever gets there first gets a Snickers. I definitely, um, 
Or Reese's. Being like super fast at finding Bible verses is my uh, my claim to fame. Well, not my claim to <laughs> fame. It's it's actually like it's one of those things I'm like kind of not proud of how proud I get. You know, like in church, they'll be like, "You're ashamed of how proud you get and because I, like, of how good you oh, are." Oh yeah, like I'll just you know throw it right to wherever it is we're talking about. You know, if we're in Ephesians, like Ephesians, and I can like I can get it fast. You should feel bad for being that familiar with God's word. <laughs> But that's the problem is I'm like, I'm familiar with God's word because I read the Bible outside of church and all these other people. Yeah. No, I see. I see. Like, anyways. <laughs> anyways, Hebrews 4. Um, yeah, Hebrews 4, which there's some in 3. Do you want me to read the parts in 3 or should sure. I just, where should I start? Whatever whatever you think is the most beneficial for getting helping us to get the full picture. I'll just read 3. We'll do that. Sounds good. All of 3? Not all of 3. Okay. I'll start somewhere. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So I don't, do you know where that passage is? That's, it takes, that's Joshua, I think. That sounds right. Because I don't remember the passage specifically as much as the context. Okay. Well, here we go. So this is four. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest... As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us strive, therefore, to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Nice. To answer the question of, like, what do I think about the Sabbath today? Do I think that Saturday is still the Sabbath? Yes, I do. I also think that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are all the Sabbath. And like with so many things that Jesus did where he actually raised the bar in the New Covenant, not lowered it. Like he when he tells the Pharisees, You've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. I'm telling you, don't even hate somebody, because if you hate them, that's murder. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, even if you look at somebody with lustful thoughts, then you've already committed adultery. Mm -hmm. So he raises the bar. And in the old covenant, you have one day of rest. But also there's an aspect in that of the other six days they are constantly striving to try to make themselves acceptable to God. Mm. 
with all of the rules and regulations and dietary restrictions and everything that they had to do to worry about not just what was right and wrong, but what was clean and unclean, because that was a different thing, too. It was insane. And so you have one day of the week to cease from all of that striving, to cease from all of that worrying about the rules and regulations to make yourself acceptable to God. Mm. Okay. Jesus is our new Sabbath rest, right? He completed the work. It's done. Mm. He goes to heaven. He sprinkles his own blood in the, basically the tabernacle of heaven, which the Bible says the earthly tabernacle is just a copy of that one. He sprinkles it and then he sits down Mm. because the work is done. There's no longer any more work to do to strive Mm. to appease God. God's already been appeased. He's already been satisfied. We we can cease striving. We can stop all of the work that we're doing to try to make ourselves acceptable to God because Jesus has already made us acceptable uh, acceptable to God. Mm. So he says in this passage talking about, so there still remains a Sabbath rest. And he says, and so there, there was a day that needed to be established today. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, today is a Sabbath because every day we can enter into the rest of what, Jesus has already done for us. But the interesting thing is it tells us to do that so that we don't fall into disobedience. Mm -hmm. So we know that there's still some, some works involved here, but it's no longer from this position of striving to make God happy. Mm -hmm. But as we rest in the finished work of Jesus there is a natural obedience that flows from that. Mm. And if we stop resting in Jesus and we start trying to do all of these things to appease God, the irony is that we're going to slip into disobedience mm. by doing that. I think the Sabbath is is every day in that sense and that we enter into the rest that Jesus provided every day. And I think that's what that passage is saying to us. That's, I mean, that's really good. Yeah, I think I would agree with what you're saying, we can rest from our works mm-hmm. because of the finished work of Christ. And that's that's an everyday thing. Resting right. in those works is an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even our good works are like filthy rags. Right. That's when it comes to like the salvation side of things. Like there is rest mm-hmm. because we can rest knowing that we've we've been sprinkled Come by the blood. Me, and all you who yeah. are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yeah. And so we have that. And, and right. we enter into that rest every day. And so this is where I would say that seventh day, specific seventh mm-hmm. day, that's where I think that ends. That comes to an end because uh, mm-hmm. every day is the Sabbath. There's still a principle. And I agree. And uh, set by God. To take a day off. At the very beginning of the world. Mm-hmm. The very before beginning. the fall happened. Before, before we the, had the yeah, law. Before the fall and then said twice in the commandments that it's good to work six days and rest one. And that was true before sin happened. And yeah. And so work and rest both were good things yep. before the fall. And, and that's the pattern. That's that, that's the, what God modeled right. for human beings mm-hmm. from the foundations of the world. When it comes to keeping the Sabbath holy and set apart, I think 
because of what Hebrews says. And actually, we should listen. We should read Romans as well. We should, but because of what Hebrews says, I think the seventh day specifically, Saturday specifically, is not as important. Right. What is important is that you work six days and rest one, because that's what God modeled. Right. And, and that's what Jesus did while he was on the earth. And I think that's that's something that we can pick, you know, which day works best for us to rest. But I agree. I think because that's something that was modeled before the fall, before the law, it's still a valid thing that God cares about our well-being. And it's beneficial for us to work and then to take a day off and mm-hmm. to rest. Yeah. That's not the first time that happens with the commandments where you're given a commandment where it talks about an ox, you know. And it talks, it talks about, about the, an ox in the ditch, and he also talks about a sheep. Yep. And so if there's an ox in the ditch, you, you pull it out, because that's what you do. And so mm-hmm. we don't have oxes anymore. No, we don't. But the principle still stands that... If you have a flat tire. If you have a flat tire, it's okay to fix it. You know? Yeah. And so, and then, and that's not you working. There's not always a one-to-one when right. it comes old, to Old Covenant, New Covenant. But there's a principle you can take from the Old Covenant... Mm-hmm. And bring it with you to the new covenant. And I think that's what I mean when I say, like, there is still a Sabbath rest. It doesn't have to be on Saturday. It can be any day any day that works. Right. As long as it's six days and one day, I think. Yeah. So, Romans 14, 5 and 6, uh, where, does Peter write Romans? Peter writes Romans. Uh, Paul. Paul is Romans. Paul writes Romans. Mm-hmm. Wrong again. <laughs> Second time in in one episode. Oh, well. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, he's talking about, like, not passing judgment to one another. Mm-hmm. Like, some, thing, some people can eat, you know, uh, food that was sacrificed. And some can't. And some can't because they're just, they have weak wills. And he's writing them about how to navigate disagreements that they have in the body. Yeah, like, how do you navigate the secondary disagreements? Right. And so, so that's the context of Romans 14. Yep. And so he says, one person esteems one day is better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Just that idea that he says... One day esteems one person esteems one day is better than the other. Another esteems all days alike. Right. And so it sounds like I don't know. It doesn't say it's specifically Sabbath related, but it does it sound doesn't, but like it sounds like they're talking about that. Yeah, even back in Paul's day. So very very early church, very old. What board Christians talk about? Yeah, topic. They were having conversations about well, what day do we observe? What day do we not observe? What day mm-hmm. do we honor? And what days, you know? And some people do we are keep saying, the old festivals too. Or? Yeah, and some people are saying, well, I think all days are the same. And some people are saying, well, no, I think it's this specific day. And Paul's um, solution is just whatever you do, make sure you're convinced of it and, and do it sure you're doing to the it. honor of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, and I think the interesting thing about that is if the Sabbath was something that was like crucially important, mandated for us to adhere to strictly today in the mm-hmm. same way as the, as the Old Testament, I feel like Paul would have been like, no, keep the Sabbath, right? But he doesn't say that. And even with the food issue, he doesn't say who's right and who's wrong. He gives them principles for how to navigate disagreement. Mm-hmm. 
but he never affirms one argument or the other. Now, we know from other places in Scripture, he did say who was right and who was wrong about the whole meat and food mm-hmm. thing. Now, he never goes back and clarifies mm. which days are more important. And that would have been the perfect so, opportunity That would for have been him. the perfect opportunity. Because if people are already having those conversations, and Paul felt the need to really set in stone where he thought we should be, and for the mm-hmm. Lord, right? The Lord through Paul. If he wanted to set it straight, set the record straight, that would mm-hmm. have been the perfect opportunity to do so. Right. But his point was basically whatever you feel is the best way for you to honor God, do that. Mm -hmm. That's where I don't think there's a uniform answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, some people back then, probably the best way for them to honor God was to keep the Sabbath. Other people, the best way for them to honor God might've been not to, Mm -hmm. to treat all days as equal. I think a modern day illustration of it, maybe not the best. Some people feel when you go to church on Sunday, you should dress up nice out of respect for the Lord Mm -hmm. and bring him your best. And other people feel that, like, it's important to come as you are before the Father. Neither one's right. Neither one's wrong. You have to weigh that out for you. Mm -hmm. You know, are you struggling with reverence for the Lord? Well, then maybe the best thing for you to do would be to take intentional steps to show more reverence. Are you struggling with vulnerability and putting on a face? Well, then maybe the best thing for you to do is to come as you are. Mm. So there might be a different answer for different people on that. But the main principle, the main point is, what is the best way for you to honor the Lord? What Mm. is the most healthy thing for your relationship with God? But I think with, um, with the Sabbath question... It's another one of those things that the Lord raised the bar on. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, basically, yeah, you guys used to have one Sabbath day, but now the Sabbath day is today. Mm-hmm. Like, which which day should we celebrate the Sabbath? Today. Mm-hmm. That's the answer that, that Hebrews gives, because every day is a Sabbath in Jesus. Mm. But we don't want to, I think there are people that have probably abused that and workaholics have been like, oh, yeah, I've, I'm, Jesus, Jesus is my Sabbath. I can work. You know, 80-hour weeks and work every single day and never rest because Jesus is my rest. But I don't think that's healthy either. You, like you said, you still have that model that Jesus set up. that You need to take some time off. Mm-hmm. You need to take some time to care for yourself. So which day is the Sabbath? Today. Today. Should we still take a day off? Yes. What works? Which day works best for you to take off? Yeah. To the... To any Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters watching or listening or wherever you're at in that, mm-hmm. maybe it's the Southern Baptist that thinks that Sunday is Sunday's the Sabbath. The day. you got to keep yeah. that Sabbath. Well, like Romans 14 says, suggests, is if that's how you feel, if you feel convinced of yeah. that, good. Do it to the honor of the Lord. Like you said, that, that rest that God has, that Sabbath, mm-hmm. is, is a lot like it's... It's a spiritual rest. Mm-hmm. You can rest every day knowing that you're standing before God mm-hmm. is is good. Yeah. That he thinks highly of you and thinks well of you because of what Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus did not abolish the Sabbath. He elevated it. Yeah. And he made it every day. As far as the Lord's Day goes, too, that's something that I think... Because since we've established that they're two different things, 
you know, Sabbath is for us and for our rest, and the Lord's Day was a day set aside to worship the Lord. Um, we know that the early Christians did that on Sunday because that was the day that he rose from the dead, so that's what they chose. But that's another thing that we don't see anything in Scripture where it's mandated that the church has to gather on Sunday specifically. Mm. Um, and we we also see modeled in Acts that it looks like churches were meeting much more regularly than one day a week. So it would appear by the time you get to Revelations, where John uses the term the Lord's Day, that they had kind of settled on a, on a once-a-week rhythm where they were particularly focused. But at the start, they're meeting a lot more than that. The same principle that we talked about for the rest day, that whichever rest day you want to take, that's good for you. I think the same principle can apply to the Lord's Day as well. It's like, probably is good to take take a day aside as the Lord's Day to celebrate Jesus mm -hmm. and the resurrection and his body with other believers does it have to be on Sunday because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday? You're not going to find a scriptural mandate mm -hmm. for that. And for us, I mean, our home church meets on Thursdays. Right. Well, and I mean, every day you should worship the Lord. Every, every day, day is a day unto the Lord, even if it's your Sabbath. Absolutely. It's not like you give one day to the Lord and the rest of the days belong to you. Yeah. Well, as long as you have that mindset, then it really doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal. Now, I think Sunday is, is like an especial important day in the Christian calendar, but mm -hmm. I also have, you also have to acknowledge just realistically, the whole world can't stop on Sunday. Um, right. Not every restaurant can be like Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's just right. not going to happen. Hospitals. Yeah. Some people are going to have to work on things. Sunday. And I, I think that if they have to work on Sunday, well, then Hopefully, they're off a different day. Yeah, hopefully they find another that can be day. Their different rest. Their that day is their rest. day of 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 worshiping the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, for one, am very glad that we have definitively settled this issue forever and always for everybody. Yep. Put it in the creed. Put it in the creed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take we'll take out the descendant in hell, and we'll put that in the creed. We'll, we'll take out the and we'll take out. Are we leaving the pocket giraffes in the oh, new for creed? Sure. Pocket giraffes definitely descended into hell. Yep. And basically everything that we say on what bored Christians talk about should probably be in the creed. Even if you are supposed to take it with a tablespoon of salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take it with a tablespoon of salt. Next week, next week, what you can take with a tablespoon of salt is we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism. Talk about evangelism. And forms of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And specifically where apologetics lies yeah in that conversation how effective of an approach yeah apologetics is and then like what is the most effective approach to evangelism if it's not apologetics if it's not apologetics and so tune in next week thanks for watching thanks guys see you in two weeks hey thanks for watching thanks for listening if you like what you see maybe give us a subscribe if you don't like what you see why are you at the end of the video if you want to watch us, find us on YouTube at What Board Christians Talk About. If you want to listen to us, find us on Spotify and most major podcasting platforms at What Board Christians Talk About. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as WBCTA2023. We'll also have a merch store up, and the links to that will be available on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of What Board Christians Talk About.